Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Ag Today. Coming up on today's program, the Farming for Health Committee has presented a sizable check to the Health Foundation of East Central Saskatchewan. We'll hear from Health Foundation Executive Director Ross Fisher on that. As well, Saskatchewan cattle prices rebounded according to the latest cattle market update for the week ending October 20th. We'll hear from the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture's Livestock Development intern, Emily Taylor. Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. We'll have that for you as well. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Sask Ag Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Special. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, we had some snow flurries here this morning. They seem to have passed through, though. Yeah, most of the uh, steadier snow has pushed off to the east. We did get uh, what I would call for uh, mid, well, we'll say mid to late October, a real snowfall with the accumulation, uh, certainly noticeable off the roads, but uh, a little bit sticky in there. Now it's pushing off to the east, uh, the bulk of the snow, and it's still a, a mostly light snow. We're not talking about uh, burying snowfall, even where the heaviest is uh, right now. Uh, toward and just east of Ethelbert, getting a little bit of uh, that heavier snowfall uh, area south, uh, a few pockets of lighter, or should I say, more moderate snow versus the light snow and flurries that are elsewhere, but it's still a large area and it is pushing east. Looking to the west, it is all clear. There is nothing out there, and that's what's heading in, so we should be in much better shape. Still, uh, some areas are dealing with those flurries right into the early evening mostly areas uh, across into western Manitoba. Elsewhere, the flurry should be long gone by evening with a cloudy sky giving way to some gradual clearing through the night and a partly sunny day tomorrow. But it is chilly. Uh, temperatures are struggling through negative territory. Uh, we'll look for uh, around minus 2. But, uh, maybe optimistic in some areas, but uh, even a little brightening to the west should help that along. Uh, minus 8 below tonight. Any flurries, again, as I mentioned, mostly east, will die down. The cloud cover slowly breaks up. A little bit of sunshine through the day tomorrow with a high around uh, minus 2. Negative numbers across the board right through this week. A cold air mass is really digging in. It's a, a deep cold that has been uh, digging southward. And we are getting into that, so we stay at minus 11 for the low Wednesday night, but the sky is clear, and the wind drops off as well, 10 to 20 early on, much lighter wind through the later nighttime. That allows the, the clear sky, the light wind, the dry air that's settling in, allows for that ideal cooling. 
So a pretty hard freeze these few nights. Sunshine into Thursday with a high minus 3. Cloudy sky holds for Friday. We'll see mostly cloudy. Still partial sunshine, but a little more cloud cover. The difference, when I say mostly cloudy during the day, I really am envisioning the cloud really having the upper hand. Uh, minus 3 is the high on Friday. Minus 3 is also the high on Saturday, but I'll call that partly sunny. Very similar day, but the sun will have more of the upper hand through the day, and uh, we should hold this cold uh, right into early week. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour, the Paw and Show Lake Russell are at minus 3 degrees, Swan River minus 4, Dauphin minus 1, Brandon 0, Roblin minus 5. Regina and Indian Head are at minus 5, Saskatoon, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington minus 6, Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman minus 3. The Yorkton-Melville region has an overcast sky, a northeast wind at 21 kilometers an hour. 85% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 5 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 11 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of plus 6 degrees and dropped to a low of minus 5 degrees. There was one millimeter of precipitation that fell in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is plus 6 degrees. The normal low is minus 4 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 7.28 this morning, and it will set at 5.39 this afternoon. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan the Manitoba hot spot was Sprague at 12 degrees, the cold spot Thompson at minus 9 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was Weyburn at 8 degrees, the cold spot Meadow Lake at minus 11 degrees. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. The Farming for Health Committee presented a sizable check to the Health Foundation of East Central Saskatchewan on Saturday night. Health Foundation Executive Director Ross Fisher says the funds will be used to purchase new medical equipment for the Yorkton Regional Health Centre. Yes, it was terrific actually. We had a bunch of people or representatives from our Farming for Health Committee uh, attend gala and they presented the foundation a, a check for uh, $278,956, which was a really good year. Like obviously we had a had a had a had a very good year this year. And that's net revenue that'll that'll go towards equipment that we need in the hospital. That actually brings the total for farming for health to two million three hundred and eighteen thousand dollars over the course of eleven years. And this year, those funds are going to, um, well, we have three priority items this year. We're raising money for an echocardiogram machine, another ultrasound machine and diagnostic imaging as well. We're raising money for new maternity equipment. Uh, we have expanded the services that are available in maternities and we want uh, more equipment in the hospital so newborns with some complications don't have to automatically go to Regina but can be attended to here. And we are uh, restarting 
slowly the orthopedic surgery program. So we're buying some equipment to enable those surgeries to be done. So these funds will will go towards uh, that purpose and and help us actually start new programs in the hospital. He notes they harvested two different types of crops this year. This year we um, we farmed canola on the on the on the Queen Street land that we have, which is across from Humpty's. There's about 385 acres there. That was that was all seeded to canola, Nixera canola, donated uh, by Cortiva. And on the land that the city makes available to us on Grain Millers Road, we seeded wheat. Fisher says plans are already underway to seed the land again next spring. Yes, we're planning to uh, continue the Farming for Health program. We will reverse what we do, so wheat will be grown on, on Queen Street next year and the canola will go on, on, on Green Miller's Road. But yes, we intend to continue next year. Farming for Health has become a, an important part of what we do and, and, and the funds we generate to be able to put much-needed equipment in the hospital. And as for where next year's money will go? We are thinking, uh, because the government has announced that they're going to move forward with a new hospital, and that is still in its infancy, Doug, um, we're thinking that we're probably going to start setting aside money for the new hospital. Fisher is very thankful for all of the help they received in planting and harvesting this year's crop. I'd like to thank everybody who participates in the Farming for Health project. I mean, there's there's an awful lot of businesses who, who, who come together, and individuals actually, who come together to help us put in the crop and then take off the crop. And um, it's a wonderful extra exercise in building the community and bringing people from, from different businesses and, and different walks of life together. And he says they couldn't have had a better day to harvest their canola this fall. And actually, harvest day this year was just amazing. I mean, we had uh, seven combines on the field, a uh, number of individuals and, and all of the implement dealers in town. We had, I think we had three semis, two green carts. <laughs> we, 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 we took 400 acres off in a day, less than a day, but it, it looked pretty impressive with all of the equipment out on the field. And the crop came off pretty quick. Ross Fisher is the executive director of the Health Foundation of East Central Saskatchewan. Farming for Health this year raised $278,956 for medical equipment at the Yorkton Regional Health Centre. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. Grain farmers and fertilizer shippers are all feeling the squeeze from a strike by St. Lawrence Seaway workers. The job action by 361 uniform members at 13 of the 15 locks along the Key Trade Corridor kicked off Sunday, shutting it down immediately. Crosby Devitt, who heads the Grain Farmers of Ontario, says the majority of crops yielded by the 28,000 producers he represents are exported as farmers wrap up the soybean harvest and begin to reap corn. Devitt says there is no export alternative to the Seaway, which runs between Lake Erie and Montreal and carried $16.7 billion worth of cargo last year, nearly half of it grain and iron ore. The St. Lawrence Seaway Management Corporation says it has applied to the Canada Industrial Relations Board for an exception for the transport of grain a request that, if granted, would see the commodity flow through the artery despite the strike. 
Managed money fund traders remain bearish on canola, growing the net short position in the ice futures market to the second largest level of the past year. That's according to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of October 17th, the net managed money short position in canola futures came in at 70,768 contracts, an increase of about 9,000 contracts from the previous week, and the largest net short position in seven months. Open interest in the canola market came in at 302,972 contracts, which was down by 2,350 contracts from the previous week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, fund traders were on both sides of the market, with the recently established net short position in soybeans edging up slightly at about 3,400 contracts. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency is getting closer to updating its seed regulations. The agency has released a What We Heard report, summarizing the responses of 315 individuals and groups who participated in an online survey from February 15th to May 1st. In its report, the CFIA said a large share of the 315 respondents, including seed growers, farmers, commodity groups and plant breeders, supported the following recommendations. Setting up a national variety registration system, developing a regulatory pathway for heritage and heirloom varieties, forming regional recommending committees with the authority to recommend placing a regional restriction on a variety registration in their specific region, continuing one national body establishing and determining the seed crop varietal purity standards to issue a seed crop certificate, and making the purity standards for number one and number two grades the same. A House of Commons committee is asking the heads of Canada's major grocery chains to explain their plans to stabilize food prices. The committee passed an NDP motion on Thursday to invite the grocery executives and summon them if necessary to testify about the measures their companies are taking to address food inflation. This comes after Industry Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne announced the companies have presented plans to the government to tackle rising prices, which he says include discounts, price freezes, and price-matching campaigns. However, most grocers have not confirmed details of these plans, and Champagne recently said he wished they would be more forthcoming with the public on their commitments. The Parliamentary Committee is asking the grocers to submit their plans by November 2nd. The Canadian Food Grains Bank is calling for urgent humanitarian help in Gaza as the conflict continues to take a high toll on the most vulnerable. Over 6,000 men, women and children in Israel and Gaza have died in two weeks of conflict. More than 1.4 million people have been displaced. As a member of the Humanitarian Coalition, the Food Grains Bank is working with partner organizations and local groups to bring humanitarian assistance to the area. One of the greatest challenges groups face is the issue of access. On Saturday, a convoy of trucks carrying humanitarian aid crossed into southern Gaza for the first time since Israel began the siege. By Monday, aid and security sources reported that two more convoys had arrived via the Rafah crossing from Egypt. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast, it's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. 
It's overcast and minus 5 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Saskatchewan cattle prices rebounded according to the latest cattle market update for the week ending October 20th. Livestock development intern at the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, Emily Taylor, has the details on feeder prices. Saskatchewan feeder steer prices ranged from $514.83 per hundredweight for the 300 to 400 pound weight category down to $303.63 per hundredweight for the 900 plus pound weight category this week. Prices improved across most weight categories over the prior week, and the largest increase was in the 800 to 900 pound weight category with an average price increase of $6.62 per hundredweight. Weekly prices for feeder heifers ranged from $417.35 per hundredweight for the 300 to 400 pound weight category to $286.20 per hundredweight for the 800 plus pound weight category. There was an even mix of change across categories last week with the largest price increase in the 300 to 400 pound heifers, which increased $3.60 per hundredweight. The largest price decline was in the 700 to 800 pound heifers, which decreased $6.08 per hundredweight to land at $303.17 per hundredweight. A couple of factors influenced cattle prices this past week. We're now in the middle of the fall run, which will limit price improvements as auction volumes increase. However, a strong demand remains for feeder cattle, which should help support prices. Feed grain prices increased slightly in the week ending October 20th. However, this shouldn't have a significant effect on feeding margins. Canfax reported 41,840 head of cattle sold at auction in Saskatchewan, twice as many compared to the previous week's 21,941 head sold. It also all above the 40,520 head marketed during the same week last year. Taylor then outlined the prices for Alberta cows. Prices of Alberta cows reported on October 20th were up compared to October 13th. D2 cows increased on average $1.86 per hundredweight from the previous week's average at $134.29 per hundredweight. D3 slaughter cows were up $1.53 per hundredweight over the prior week, ending the week at an average price of $122.86 per hundredweight. Emily Taylor is a livestock development intern at the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture with the latest cattle market update for the week ending October 20th. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for December closed at 178.62 today. That's up 27. February live cattle closed at 180.85, down 12. November feeder cattle closed at 235.42, down 37. January feeder cattle closed at 234.85, down 85. December lean hogs closed at 66.37, that's up 20. February lean hogs closed at 69.47, down 72. And that's the livestock market conditions. Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. U.S. wheat prices were supported last week as China continues to show itself to be a large buyer of wheat and Russian exports might be slowing. And as far as some of the most important news that happened in the wheat market last week, we're going to start in China. 
China's wheat crop was impacted by heavy rain and flooding in May and June. The overall impact of the rain is difficult to assess, but the recent Chinese buying spree could be an indication of the impact of the rain. Chinese wheat imports in September were 620,000 tons, up 66% from the same month last year. January to September wheat imports are now 10.2 million tons, up 54% on last year. Meanwhile, the USDA is forecasting that Chinese wheat imports will fall by 17% year-over-year, which is unlikely. On the contrary, some analysts think that the current pace of Chinese imports are on track to surpass last year's record 13.3 million ton import volume. The global cash trade seems to be fairly quiet last week, with only 60,000 tons of feed wheat being reportedly bought by South Korea. Currencies are playing a large role in wheat demand. Struggling currencies in importing regions are coming against strong values of the European Euro and the British Pound. In Canada, Saskatchewan Agriculture raised their estimate of the province's average yield by 3 bushels per acre to 42.6 bushels per acre. If true, this is over half a bushel per acre above average and would add almost 900,000 tons of supply to the Canadian spring wheat balance sheet. If correct, bigger production in Saskatchewan would increase the national yield to 44.9 bushels per acre, compared to Stats Canada's 42.6 bushels per acre number. Canadian spring wheat production would be 22.9 million tonnes, compared to Stats Canada's 22.1 million tonne estimate. There was some concern about the quality of Saskatchewan's spring wheat crop, given the low test weight in some regions. According to Saskag, however, 94% of Saskatchewan's production was considered a number one or number two CW. This is lower than last year, but above the 10-year average. For Canadian exports, shipping week 11, there was just 300 and just about 27,000 tons of Canadian wheat exported for a season total of 4.2 million tons, up 14% from last year. The pace on last year has declined by about 1% from week 10. For Canadian Durham, Saskatchewan Ag corrected their 33 bushel per acre yield estimate that was reported on October 2nd to a much more reasonable 23.8 bushel per acre number. Our national yield estimate is 72.7 bushels per acre, which makes for a 4.4 million ton crop. This compares with the AFC estimates of about 25.6 bushels per acre and a 4.1 million ton crop. Canada's exportable surplus, we think, is about 3.6 million tons, which is 30% less than last year. The pace of exports until last week had been running even with last year. Shipping week 11 Durham exports were 85,000 tons, for a season total of 525.2 thousand tons, down 6% from last year. Durham exports seasonally pick up in November, although competition from Turkey could slow Canadian exports into the new year. With that said, Turkey's exports are already slowing down. Durham prices in Turkey rose $20 per ton over the week because of high demand and diminishing exportable supplies. According to Saskatchewan Agriculture, the condition of Saskatchewan's Durham crop seems to be good, with the vast majority of the crop, 82% of the crop, 
falling under a one quad or two quad class. Turkey plus Russia and Kazakhstan should run out of exportable supplies by the end of the calendar year, which should face importers back to Canada. However, we do worry about the size of the premium of Durham over spring wheat. We'll move on to the U.S. U.S. wheat prices were supported last week as China continues to show itself to be a large buyer of wheat. Rain in parts of the winter wheat belt offered more relief to the drought. Meanwhile, low water levels in the Mississippi River are expected to continue into January. U.S. farmers planted another 11% of the U.S. winter wheat crop. Seeding progress is now 68% complete. This is in line with the average pace. Weekly U.S. export sales were at the high end of the trade expectations at 632,800 tons. Total commitments are now 10.7 million tons, which is 5% behind last year and in line with the USDA's expected year-over-year decline. And over to Australia, harvest is progressing in Australia and yields are better than expected. Local analysts are now talking about a 26 to 28 million ton crop compared to the USDA's 24.5 million ton estimate. In Argentina, badge decreased the condition of Argentina's wheat crop by 2% to 11% good to excellent. This is the same condition as last year's crop, but badge continues to think that production will be 16.2 million tons. This would require a 30% improvement in yield from last year. The country is receiving rain, which is welcome, but is likely too late to reverse much of the damage. And just a special note in India, in an attempt to have its farmers produce more wheat next year, the Indian government raised the procurement price for wheat by 7% to $273 per tonne. The Indian government is currently expecting a production of about 113 million tonnes, uh, which most analysts think is about 10% too high. The trade is again speculating about the country importing wheat as prices rise and stocks are low. In the European Union, Matif milling wheat futures finished the week at five-week highs despite EU wheat exports being 22% lower than last year. China is said to have bought approximately 2 million tons of French wheat, but this is for December-February shipment, and there are currently no Chinese vessels in the French lineup. Winter wheat harvest in France is 38% complete. And in the Black Sea, Russian exports are showing signs of slowing as October loadings are set to fall below last year's volume. This would be the first monthly year-over-year -year decrease this season. Some are saying the decrease is because of greater government intervention. Vessel loading in Ukraine's Danube has stalled as increased checks for VA tax fraud. The winter wheat area in Ukraine remains dry. In other news, we continue to watch the events of the Israel and Hamas war, with a great risk of the war escalating with further countries becoming involved. There were reports of missiles being fired from Lebanon into Israel. An escalation of the war could affect crude oil prices and internet service, and could lead to a rebound in commodity prices. In other news, there were reports that Russia signed an agreement to supply 70,000 tons of grain and oil seeds to China over the next 12 years. 
There are some questions about the validity or the possibility of this, but the underlying point of the concerted effort to enhance trade between the two economies remain. So, what does this all mean? Well, the funds are short, and more buying by China might be a concern to them. South American weather, Ukrainian logistics, Chinese demand, and a widening window for U.S. exports of wheat will be the market drivers. In our view, wheat is getting too cheap, so we think holding to the new year when we expect better prices will be the best strategy. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Please stay tuned. Your Commodities Update is coming up next. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board again today. November canola closed at 677.50, down $2.30. January canola closed at 689.80, down $1.40. December Minneapolis wheat closed at 728 and a quarter, down 9 and a half cents. December Kansas City wheat closed at 663 per bushel down seven and three quarters of a cent. December Chicago wheat closed at 580 and a half, down six and three quarters of a cent. December corn closed at 484 per bushel, down six and a quarter cents. November soybeans closed at 1295 and a quarter, that's up eight and a half cents. December oats closed at 389 and three quarters, up four and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. It's time now to check in once again with Tanya Cherry. Thank you, Doug. We are at the Legacy Co-op today, just scaring customers. No, I'm joking. We're here with the Christmas goodies cookbook. And yes, thanks to everybody who has come in to purchase theirs. We are we do have some left. We do have some left, but we're almost sold out. But you have time. We've, they've been going at a perfect pace. So if you're coming in, you're driving in, you do have time to come to Legacy Co-op and get your copy. And we do have all the other locations where we'll be on our website, gx94radio.com. And yes, come in and get all of your grocery shopping done right here at the Legacy Co-op. I mean, the co-ops in your community, right, they're, they're here for you. It's a part of the community. It's locally owned. The the staff, you know them. You you love dealing with them. They're just fantastic. And it's exactly like that here at the Legacy Co-op in Yorkton. And I'm pretty sure every single year that we have been on location with these cookbooks, they've had us here, which is just huge. Because of their participation, we can make a donation right back into Yorkton at Christmas time. And, and that's a really big thing, right? They are part of the community. So come and do your shopping today and save right here at the Legacy Co-op in Yorkton. Welcome back to Saskag Today. A celebration of life was held on Saturday for Frank Flamen a successful businessman and philanthropist who was very well known in rural Saskatchewan. The eulogy was delivered by two of Frank's grandsons in the Roman Catholic Church in his hometown of Southey, about an hour north of Regina. Frank Flamin was remembered for his sense of adventure, love of harmless pranks, and the many hours spent flying his own plane around North America, meeting customers and finding new products to sell back home. His grandson, Mitch, said his grandfather was far from a traditional businessman. He loved to wheel and deal and find out-of-the-box opportunities. 
Like when he had the feedlot north of town here, and grain wasn't worth very much, he would trade farmers' colored TVs for their grain so he could keep the herd fed and they could get rid of their grain. In 2005, the Frank J. Flamin Foundation was established to support many local and global charities. Mitch says his grandfather also quietly helped those in need. During the trip we took to Edmonton to hang out with Grandpa when I was a kid, I got my first experience of what giving back looked like through my Grandpa's eyes. After buying some camping gear and groceries, we drove to a part of downtown Edmonton where the people were homeless and living on the streets. Now you have to remember, I grew up about a mile north of here, so I had never seen anything like this, and I would never been in a city like Edmonton before. Grandpa pointed to a man on the street and said, go give this to him. And I didn't understand what we were doing or why, but when that man looked me in the eyes and thanked me, it all made perfect sense. The family says the Frank J. Flamin Foundation will live on and continue to build on the legacy that he created. Frank Flamin passed away a couple of weeks ago, two months shy of his 90th birthday. U.S. farm groups and lawmakers are increasingly scrutinizing foreign land ownership due to concerns about national security with China at the top of the list. The southern state of Arkansas is ordering Syngenta, which is Chinese-owned, to sell 160 acres of land within two years. The land is used for research purposes. Governor Sandra Huckabee provides this explanation for the decision. Seeds are technology. Chinese state-owned corporations filter that technology back to their homeland, stealing American research and telling our enemies how to target American farms. That is a clear threat to our national security and to our great farmers. Huckabee's position is also shared by another Republican governor, Christy Noam of South Dakota. Our enemies and those who hate the United States of America may never need to fire a shot to take us over. They may not need to. We are going to be surrendering our freedom by becoming more dependent on them for our critical needs, for gas, oil, food, medicine, and more. When a country controls our food supply and our energy supply, they will control us. Meantime, a story by Reuters reports that at the end of 2021, of the 40 million acres of U.S. agricultural land owned by foreign interests, less than 1% had a Chinese connection. Canadian investors had the largest share at 31%. Farm Bulletin Board. The 34th annual Grain Millers Harvest Showdown is coming up next week, November 1st to the 4th. There will be a trade show, a grain show, a forage show, a pedigreed seed show, breeder's alley, cattle show and sale, chore team competition, horse pulls, ranch rodeo, stock dog competition, school tours, 4-H clinics, a senior supper and dance, mutton busting, professional bull riding, and cabarets. And just a reminder, there will be free gate admission at least to the uh, trade show and all those sorts of things that go on. So that's a great event coming up next week. It's hard to believe already, but uh, yeah, next week we will be meeting at the 34th Annual Grain Millers Harvest Showdown here in Yorkton at the Yorkton Exhibition Grounds. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. 
It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A 90% chance of light snow and flurries, steadier east of Yorkton though. Winds north-northeast at 15 to 30 and a high of minus 2 degrees. For tonight, a 30% chance of early flurries that'll end then mainly cloudy. Winds northwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 8. For tomorrow, partly sunny. Winds west-northwest at 15 to 25, a high of minus 2, an overnight low of minus 11. For Thursday, sunny. Winds west-northwest at 15 to 25, a high of minus 3. For Friday, mainly cloudy, also a high of minus 3. And Saturday, partly sunny, once again, a high of minus 3. In the Paw and Show Lake Russell, it's minus 3 degrees. Swan River is at minus 4. Dauphin, minus 1. Brandon, 0. Roblin, minus 5. Regina and Indian Head are reporting in at minus 5. Saskatoon, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, minus 6. Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman, minus 3. The Yorkton-Melville region has an overcast sky. A northeast wind at 21 kilometers an hour. 85% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 5 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 11 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today. For today, be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.